Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Hey, we want to get started right off the bat by thanking our sponsors, Free Life Soap. Nate, your wishes came true. Miss McRibbon, the owner of Free Life Soap, stopped by my house this week and handed me a bar of soap in your favorite scent. When I got home yesterday, there was a package waiting for me. Oh, she sent yours. Yes, and a postcard before she had heard anything. She knew. She sent it to us and said, I hope you enjoy this. And I, my, my <laughs> wife said, I listened to your podcast today. I'm so embarrassed that you said that. <laughs> it's so, prophetic soap. <laughs> so I had to send her a message and say, hey, my girls love the pumpkin spice, but... You Brian, know, thank you. In the mail right now, coming to your house is a pumpkin spice latte bar of soap. It has already reached the house. Oh, and you I got sat it. Down, I sat down at the table tonight to eat dinner and didn't even know it was on the table. And I said, What is this incredible smell? And my daughter said, The free life soap came in the mail. And the second my wife smelled the pumpkin spice, off to the bathtub. That soap does not belong to me. It was stolen. Oh, man. Ryan, it does smell really good. If you use that to take a bath, you you immediately become a basic white girl. <laughs> Put your Ugg boots on and curl up next to the fire, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll go to the uh, Mexican restaurant and order ACP. <laughs> I love my chicken, cheese, and rice. <laughs> well, you guys always kid with me about my jokes. And so tonight, before the podcast recording, I just took a few minutes to uh, screenshot some things that I have to deal with with the two of you. <laughs> oh no! So I'm going to give I'm going to give all of our listeners tonight a glimpse into our famous text thread. Hold on, Brian, you're so, cutting out. We lost you. We don't have you. Check your there. Wi-Fi we, in Danville. Something's wrong. We we just lost you. Sorry. <laughs> he literally tapped his mic because he right thought we were serious. <laughs> It has to be your I love old people. That was a joke. I was saying that we don't want you to read those. <laughs> oh, so you can't read. Uh, it was a joke. Oh. Sorry. Go ahead. Crap, it was a good one. You got me. <laughs> oh, right, man. That's great. Hold on. Man, stop messing with me because you don't want these things read on the podcast. They are going to be read. I am okay. not ashamed. Hey, go ahead. We're, we, we've got right, you loud so, and clear. So here's your glimpse into our famous text thread. Can vegetarians <laughs> eat animal crackers? <laughs> Serious question. I really do want to know. Here's the other one. Wouldn't egg salad still be considered chicken salad? <laughs> and then I get this. We all know that James Bond is the best spy, <laughs> but doesn't that make him the worst spy? <laughs> And then, then a couple of good ones to close with. Did you know that muffins spelled backwards <laughs> is what you do when you take them out of the oven? <laughs> hey, guys, I, I live with this. JC sent, like, <laughs> at 1.30 in the morning, do fish get thirsty? <laughs> and then why is meat from chicken called chicken, but the meat from a cow it's called beef. That's a good question. I, I really well, want to know. And then if you can give me a drum roll, this this is the finisher. Cow gas <laughs> comes from the dairy air. <laughs> That's what I deal with, people, just so you know. So when you hear my jokes made fun of, <laughs> these two guys are total hypocrites. Brian, here's what I've been trying to figure out today. If prunes are dried plums, where do we get prune juice from? That is Think a about great it. Question. 
where do we get that from? This is what happens in my brain. It's like the wheels are spinning, but the hamster's dead. And I can't figure it out. So, well, we want to thank Free Life So for sponsoring us as well as J Radio. You can check out J Radio online by going to jradio.com, download the app in your Android or your Apple, and uh, listen to some great, great music. Hey, last week was incredible with fake sermons, IFB preacher clips, and uh, we are now in the month of October. I know September 31st wasn't really a day. Sorry for adding a day to 2020, but we just wanted to make him feel like he was part of this day. But we are continuing on with a non-account October, and today my favorite, a non-account, the wrestling pastor is on. And so let's jump right into this episode. Y'all ready? I'm ready. Yes, sir. Let's go. In three. You know what makes women stupid is college. Jesus was not a bartender. Hi, man. Two. You have lost your mind. Long tongue heifers have given me a lot more trouble than heifers wearing breeches. And you know that. Say amen right there. One. Let me tell you something, bozo. They'll be selling frosties in hell for this boy. Put on a pair of pink underwear. Amen. I sucked my thumb till I was 14 years of age. Hi, man. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. We're your hosts, Brian, Nathan, and JC. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by podlife.house. From affordable to adorable, you have to check these guys out. They build custom container homes that can be made manly enough that Tony Hudson would approve, roomy enough that an old-fashioned dinner on the grounds and strong enough to withstand a sin-hating, devil-chasing, hellfire and brimstone Georgia camp meet and complete with full-size appliances that can easily hold your 44-ounce cup of I-don't-give-a-rip. Check them out online at podlife.house. I wonder if they could put a steeple on a Podlife house and we Absolutely. could have a King James only Bible study mm-hmm. and hey, start an IFB church. Choir practice. They could soundproof it in, I'm sure. You can keep adding on different layers yeah. so it could get bigger and bigger. Do they weld those together, you think? I think they do, yeah. Because I was watching a documentary on YouTube, a guy in New Orleans that lives in like seven of them. And his house is really tall, but it's wide too. Yeah. They need to do it. You really had me thinking last week after you said, I wonder if we could do a hunting blind, kind of put a hole where you could stick your gun out. Man, that'd be incredible. Yes, it would. I'm thinking pod life houses might save marriages. (laughs) Think about it. If you separated them and one was for the husband and one was for the wife, there might be a lot better marriages because there'd be a lot less arguing. I I bet they could come up with an awesome dog house. Oh, guaranteed. Oh, yeah podlife.house. Look them up today. Nate, you had a a very interesting evening. So for those of you that don't know, we record down here at J Radio and we normally try to get started around 9, 930 because we're night owls and that's when our workday finally ends. But it's uh, almost 1030 now because Nate was a guest on a great podcast. Some friends of ours, the Church Split podcast. I've been on there. You've been on there. Brian will get on there someday. I think he's been trying to get in touch with Brian and Brian's so backed up on his emails. Listen, we're going to your story in a second but brian jumped on the email finally and he said oh my goodness there's so many emails on here (laughs) everybody has been writing us since january and brian just found all 9672 emails i didn't know there was a junk folder (laughs) (laughs) that's why he's not responded to anybody i was down here recording Mm. with the church split podcast and back up just a little bit when i got here i swiped the card came in 
and froze up. I could not remember the code for the alarm code. It was in my phone. I, I go to the notes and start searching. I'm like, I'm not going to find it in time. So I called JC Groves and I was like, dude, what's the code? What's the code? What's the code? And so he's like, oh crap. I'm so at a birthday party trying to figure it out. <laughs> and in the middle of that, the alarm starts going off. <laughs> and so he finally finds it, gives it to me after about 30 seconds of this alarm going crazy. And I come in, get set up. I'm recording like 20 minutes later. And I hear this voice yelling, and about eight cops come walking down the hallway. Chattanooga's they finest. They busted up in here. Yeah, that is yeah. Incredible. Chattanooga cops came up in here, dude, loaded, locked, ready to go. <laughs> and I was like, bro, it was me. I'm sorry. I was showing him my ID. I was like, look, I've got the podcast on my hat. Like, this this is all legit. You can call someone if you need to. Oh, my. It was scary. J Radio, thanks for formally letting us record at the studios. <laughs> We're kicked out after tonight. I love that Nathan called that being delayed. Like, all he told us earlier on the phone was through a text, I was delayed. Exactly. He didn't go the fact he almost went to jail. Yeah, I, was, I was cuffed, arrested, thrown in the car. Yeah. Uh, that's why I was thinking four independent fundamental Baptist churches could have split in the time you were recording in here. That was Absolutely. Brian's joke, by the way. Probably yes, did. Yes, I give him credit. <laughs> First time. Ever. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the episode tonight. We're excited to have on our Anon account for this evening, the wrestling pastor and the and the myth, the legend behind the wrestling pastor, Josh Revis. What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me, man. I really, uh, yeah, man, you nailed it. Yeah, I love the podcast and, and really excited for the chance to be on with you guys. Yeah, we were blown away that you were willing to be a part of it. I mean, because the wrestling pastor account is ridiculously cool. So thanks for being here. Yeah, the, the account is cool. And to even make it more cool, I found out right before recording that your dad is Herb Revis, and I am a huge fan of your dad and his ministry. And so shout out to your dad, man. That's that's so cool. Yeah, he will listen to this. He's a big fan of the podcast, and we talk about it each week after the episode. That's and, uh, crazy. Yeah, so he's he's actually giving me a couple good stories for tonight that if I need to pull them out of my back pocket, I can use as well. Well, we're counting on hearing those. Yeah. Your dad can preach. I was with Three Bridges for a little while, and we did a couple concerts where your dad was preaching at. That was pretty exciting times. He brings it, man. You know, I don't understand why people get so torn up about music. I love all kinds of music. Man, I mean, I love it all. And man, bro, let me just tell you something right now. I love beat the drums, play the guitars, brother. I, I love all kinds of music. But even when I, I sometimes go to a place where the music's just awful. I mean, it's out to give me combat pay. Just have to sit there and listen to the music. It's terrible. I don't get mad. I don't get uptight. I don't say anything. I look at whoever's singing. I smile. And I go to my happy place. I went all the way to Honolulu, Hawaii one time back. Listen, I'm not spending my life uptight. I'm not spending my life fighting about music. Brother, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And if you've got a song in your heart, get up there and sing it. If you've got an instrument, get up there and play it. And let's get on with the program. Because let me tell you right now, what is killing Southern Baptist churches is cold, dead tradition where people elevate their preferences and their opinions to the level of Bible convictions and then fight it to the mat no, sir, I'm not wasting my time doing that kind of thing. We got to love them without conditions. You know, oh, I love my church until the preacher preaches something I don't like. You know, I don't get that. Everybody wants to, I don't, as, if I was a layman, I don't want the preacher to get up there and tell me what I want to hear. I want him to get up there and tell me what I need to hear. That's his responsibility. 
Oh, yeah, they love their church. These sweet little elderly ladies over here, oh, we love our church until we ask them to move from that Sunday school classroom to this Sunday school classroom, and something happens to them. They barricaded themselves into that room with shotguns, and they're singing, we shall, we shall, we shall not be moved. Let me... Hey, you guys that are going into the pastorate, they may teach you what it ought to be. If you want the reality, come and listen to me. I'll tell you the way it really is because if you got lace on your Levi's, you don't need to be pastoring a Baptist church. That's all I've got to say this morning. We need to love the church without condition. I'm going to love my church without conditions. I'm in it for the long haul. And I'm not going to be one of these folks hopping from church to church trying to find the perfect church because there is no perfect church. There's a perfect Savior, and the church is a hospital for sinners. That's what we've got to understand. Yes, he does. I've heard your dad in multiple revivals. I don't know if he preached at camp meetings. Did he come to Temple Baptist? Yes, he did. I thought he did. That's the first place I heard him And because uh, Ken Trivett had, in had him in her brevis. Junior Hill and oh yeah Jerry Vines Jerry Vines dude that was that was awesome he just yeah. did the Jacksonville trio <laughs> yeah man hey Herb Nate's a fan girl I am a fan girl absolutely <laughs> will you sign my Bible yeah if you if you'll mail it to the church I'll get him to sign it and we'll ship it back to there you. it is dude, nice well awesome. I'm a fan girl of the wrestling pastor because this has been out of all the anon accounts the wrestling pastor has probably been my favorite account to follow in fact I bought a t-shirt a while back and have worn that thing out and I look like a daggum wrestler so people just think and assume that I'm a wrestler that T-shirt is funny because you buying that T-shirt early on, the avatar on the account was a picture of Ric Flair. And mm-hmm. then I finally made a, made a logo that was just this wrestling mask because I was anonymous, like really anonymous for a long time. Yeah. People didn't know who it was. And uh, so people kept asking like, yeah, you should make some T-shirts. And so I did and had a little batch of them and put them up. And you were one of the first ones to buy them. Yep. And, uh, and then I knew that the podcast was starting or the, excuse me, the Twitter account was starting to catch on because I got a text from a mutual friend of ours who we had never met, but we both knew him. And he goes, Hey man, I'm doing this youth conference up in Gatlinburg and there's all these students everywhere. And I just walked into this breakfast place and there was a dude sitting there wearing a wrestling pastor t-shirt. <laughs> he sent me a picture and it was you. And I'd never <laughs> met you before. Shout out. Was, Chad I, was like, yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, people are wearing it in public. I can't believe this. Let me tell you a funny story about that t-shirt. So I went to eat with a guy named Drew and uh, we were at mission barbecue here in Chattanooga and we're standing in line and there's this little kid and his mom in front of us. I had my wrestling pastor t-shirt on and this little kid sitting there, he looked around at me. I said, Hey buddy. And he looks at his mom and he kind of walks in front of him. He's like, mom, behind you. And the mom turns around. She went, yes, it is. And they thought I was a wrestler that was one of the local wrestlers here because I had that on. I took a selfie with the kid right there. And he was like, I'm the wrestling pastor. He's like, dude, this is incredible. So your shirt made me famous. Thank you. And another story with that T-shirt. So I have let Ric Flair actually see your Twitter handle. So I was sitting on a plane next to him flying from uh, Atlanta to Dallas to pick up my family. And we were up there and, and just talking and all this. And I got off and I said, Man, you've got to see this. And so I showed him some of your uh, I witnessed to Ric Flair through the wrestling pastor. That's wow. that's what we we're going to go with. ahead. Hey, we can go ahead and hang up. We can sign off, do the <laughs> outro. We don't even need to. That's the best thing I've ever heard. I can't believe he's actually seen it. Yeah. Standing in the Dallas airport, he went, Woo! So congrats, you converted Ric Man, Flair. The wrestling pastor account got a whoo from Ric Flair. That's big time. That made 2020 worth it. I'll be honest. I was. It took. It took until October, but it's, uh, 
We finally got a highlight. So do this. Take us back to the beginning of the Twitter handle, The Wrestling Pastor. Kind of tell us a little bit about you, why you started this Twitter handle, and kind of how it's taken off. Yeah, so um, as you guys have already mentioned, I'm a preacher's kid, so I've been in church, you know, nine months before uh, (laughs) even being around. And so my dad's been pastoring – Baptist churches for 41 years. And, uh, and so I've grown up in church as a PK and, uh, and then in the church where we're at now, God called me to preach and I got my first opportunities to serve there and then went away to school. And then the church called me back. And so, uh, the church where we're at, my dad's been there for 29 years and then I've been on staff for 15. And so my dad and I work together. Um, I'm his, his preaching associate and, and on the staff there. And so I've, I've got a lot of church experience. And so I've, I've seen, a lot of behind the scenes, a lot of at yeah. home. I've been, you know, I've done all the stuff. And so, but I've been on Twitter for a long time with my personal account. And so I used to do, there was a time right around uh, like 2015, 2016, where they made it to where you could put a GIF in your tweet. Um, and all of people started using them as jokes, kind of like that moment when, or, uh, you know, as reactions <laughs> to things and stuff like that. And so I really got into that and using them. And there's like a billion wrestling gifs. And I grew up watching wrestling, uh, loved it as a kid, as a teenager. My dad used to take us to wrestling matches to go watch here in town. Um, and so I would just use them because they were great reactions. And so one Thanksgiving, I, I fired off a bunch of them in a row. And people got a big kick out of the nostalgia, I guess. And I thought, I bet you I could make some jokes about church with this stuff. <laughs> so I started doing that along the way. Well, then I realized, man, the people who follow my personal account who don't like wrestling or church jokes are really going to get sick of this. So I thought, I'll just put it on its own thing. And uh, I, I met and uh, the uh, the unappreciated pastor had become a big thing. And uh, and he's a great dude who I've met since doing this. And um And so I thought, well, I'll just make its own little wrestling pastor account and I'll share it with some of my friends and then we'll stay over there. Well, they would tag some of their friends every day and then they would tag some of their friends. And then it just started to kind of slowly build like eight, 10 people at a time. And then over time, it's just kind of snowballed because everybody has sort of the same church experience. And the whole premise, if somebody's listening and they're like, so are you a pastor who wrestles? And (laughs) the premise is people say dumb stuff to preachers all the time. (laughs) People complain about ridiculous things in church and people do stuff at church that they would never do anywhere in their entire life except for at church. (laughs) And what you want to do is clothesline them or body slam them or <laughs> yep. kick them right in their head. But you can't do that because pastors have to be, you know, gentle and lowly and meek. And so it just kind of became this avatar for this is what I would like to do because this is how <laughs> ridiculous this is. And that seemed to resonate with a lot of people. My favorite one that I've seen from you recently was the one that says worship leader Chris Tomlin released a surprise country album featuring Florida Georgia Line. And it's got, uh, who is this guy on here? It's got this guy yelling no and shaking his head. It's awesome. Oh, yeah, it's Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah go ahead. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, Let's nobody see. wants that. Nobody, nobody. asked for that. Yeah. <laughs> so I was raised in an independent fundamental Baptist home. We didn't have television. So I didn't grow up watching wrestling. So a a lot of this is new to me. Sorry, Roddy. I didn't mean to not know who you were there. So I got to tell you a cool wrestling story. So years ago, my dad pastored a church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. There was an older man who attended the church and he loved wrestling. He was probably at that time about 80 years old. And so my dad would go visit him and they always had a different television. 
And the reason they always had a different television is because he really believed that wrestling was real. And if you said that wrestling was not real, that that older man would break bad on you in a second. But he would get so angry watching the wrestling matches that he would be up slinging his arms and trying to kick. And he knocked over so many televisions and broke the televisions watching wrestling because at 80 years old, he would get that fired up. That's pretty so crazy. Good. Josh, you need to come to Ringgold. We have a guy that has run for mayor in the city of Ringgold, Georgia, named Paul the Nature Boy Lee. Paul Lee the Nature Boy, and he thinks he is Ric Flair in the flesh. I mean, he drives a stretch <laughs> pink limo. Um, he has a pink uh, golf cart that he'll drive around the city. Like, homeboy Dude. thinks he's the Nature Boy. Like, he he said, I'm the Delta flying, limo driving, um, Arby's eating son of a gun. Like, I mean, he's got the whole line down oh, and everything. Yeah. He's but got the whole promo. He's down. got the bleached blonde hair, and he walks around and, and walks around town shirtless and just bounces his pecs. It's absolutely hilarious. But he's not Ric Flair. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so That's let me a, ask you this: Have you had any pushback from the Twitter handle? Has anybody taken you serious and like given you some flack over it? You know what's really funny about this account is, you know, social media is the worst, really. Yeah. If we're honest, it's and uh, because nobody like because all of us have to explain to at least like seven of our church people every week <laughs> that Babylon B articles aren't real. Yes. You know what I mean? so, like, people, don't, people don't get jokes. Satire is lost on people. And so but this one and I'm pretty I hate to use the word vanilla, but I'm pretty middle of the road. And in, in what I talk about is really common experiences across. And I don't go at particular um, theology, really. I don't go at uh, I really don't name names a lot of times unless you're Chris Tomlin and you do an album with Florida <laughs> Georgia Line, you're going to get name dropped. He deserves um, that. And so every once in a while, I'll have somebody who, you know, take something just, you know, not quite the right way. But overall, it's pretty much in good fun. Um, and because of that, what's really interesting is I have a lot of different people. If all the people knew who else was following me, they would probably unfollow. Because I've sure. got a bunch of guys who are independent Baptist pastors. I've got a bunch of um, Southern Baptist. I've got I've got some women pastors, and uh, I've got I've got all these different groups of people. Because no matter what denomination you're a part of, church people are all the same. Yeah, They're all the same. And so that's where the common experience comes in. You actually have some pretty big named people that follow you, right? There are a few, and uh, there's some. You'd be surprised what pastors are are super into wrestling. Like uh, Jay Strack, the big youth evangelist, is is big into wrestling and, and Jack Graham. And, and, uh, there's, there's a couple of guys that really grew up watching wrestling and loving it. And so they get a kick out of, especially the old clips. When I put up old stuff from the, you know, seventies and eighties, those guys get a kick out of it. That's the best stuff. Yeah. That's when wrestling was wrestling. It was when it was real. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. It was authorized. <laughs> so Josh, do you have any kind of background or experience with the independent fundamental Baptist movement? You know, uh, the, some of my experience has come. So my dad's told me stories. Uh, so I've got a couple of fun stories. Like uh, my dad went to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And so he was there in the mid seventies uh, in the heyday of First Baptist Hammond. And oh, yeah. so when he was going to school there, um, he and some of his buddies wanted to go check it out because Ooh. it was like the thing. And so he said in Chicago at the time that you could go on any street corner and flag down a Hammond bus. He said they were all over the city. <laughs> and so he and a buddy of his who was Church of the Nazarene 
uh, he was like, you need to come with me. You need to come here. This guy, you know, he, he preaches real hard and, and they've got all these people coming and they're baptizing folks. And so they flag down one of these buses and go to first Baptist Hammond on a Sunday. Well, they get like halfway through the service. And if you know anybody that grew up church of the Nazarene, they're real low key. Like every, it is not rowdy at all. I'm married a Nazarene girl. Well, then you're going to identify perfectly with this because halfway through the service, he feels something leaning on his shoulder <laughs> and he looks over and his buddy is pale as a ghost and he's sweating <laughs> and he kind of looks up and he goes, Herb. And my dad's like, what's Matt? What's wrong? Are you OK? Are you sick? And he goes, Herb. I don't think I'm safe. I'm not sure I'm safe. And he goes, you're fine. You're fine. We got to get you out of here. Let's get you out. We got to go back home. And so they went out and caught a cab and, and went home and he, he delivered him from, uh, from doubting his salvation in the midst of all that, that was going on. Man. But, uh, yeah, there, you know, there's certain things. And so we've had some people come to our church who will come out of an independent Baptist background. We were kind of joking earlier, uh, before we came live that, there's always kind of trigger words that I can hear. Like if they ever ask me, you know, what I feel about CCM, you know, and I'm <laughs> yeah. like, okay, I know what, I know what church you came from because nobody who actually listens to Christian radio calls it CCM. No, like no one who listens right. to CCM calls it that. And no. so it was kind of, that's kind of a giveaway. And so, you know, I've had some interaction and then honestly, I've had some interaction through the account with, you know, I've had some guys block me, you know, some of the usual suspects, but I've also met some guys and I, you know, it's so funny. I feel like it's the disclaimer that you have every week. It's like, there are some, there's some good guys and yeah. good churches that, right. are, that are still, and I've befriended a lot of those guys and, and watched people come at them. And so it's a, uh, yeah, that's been some of my experience. Who are some of the guys who blocked you? Uh, Bill Reeves blocked me. Welcome to the party. <laughs> yeah. I've never, I've never had any, any Same. interaction with him. Um, Bob Gray blocked so, the account. Welcome. And so, <laughs> I, and I, I've never tweeted anything. And I tell you what happens sometimes. So one of the tweets that I put up and I've put it up a couple of times. So there's this wrestler, the undertaker and uh, you know, the, the dead man. And, uh, and he had this manager named Paul bearer and he was this little Weasley manager and he was like a funeral director and he would carry her on an urn and he would look at this urn. Like it was treasure, like Indiana Jones, you know, who's found <laughs> treasure. And so there's this great gif of him, like holding this urn up and the light shining on it. And he's just looking at it. Like it's the best thing he's ever seen. And every once in a while, I'll put on there, you know, when somebody loves tradition more than they love the gospel. <laughs> and it's like this guy just looking at this dead earth. So, so when that comes up, people will quote tweet it and they'll start tagging some of these guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so when they get tagged, they think that I was coming after them. Yep. So I, and I'm like, listen, it's sort of like the old joke about you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, whichever one you hit's the one that barks. Yep. And so it's like, I'm just putting generic jokes out into the space and you're getting hit. So I think they see that they think I'm coming after them. And then I end up getting blocked. <laughs> well, you do realize those guys believe they're the center of the universe. So <laughs> it would only make sense that that tweet is coming after them. Hey, I got blocked last week by Bill Reeves. Congrats. I've never interacted with him. I've never said anything about him. It's my association with JC and Brian that got well, me blocked by Bill Reeves. And I personally believe I could have made a friend out of him. Well, listen. You're so nice. Listen, here's the thing. <laughs> I didn't know I was blocked because I've never tweeted at him or anything. And I wanted to go look at something that he tweeted. And I'm blocked by his church, North Platte, and him. Wow. Well, see, he's a coward because he Dang. blocks you and then he talks about you. Exactly. So he blocks you, then he tweets about you, so you can't engage him in a conversation. And the reason you can't engage him in a conversation is because 
he's so limited in his ability to be engaged that he chooses cowardice. Well, it stinks for him that there are members of his church that send us things. Exactly. You know, the greatest PR that we've had is Sluter and Reeves, who have never been on the podcast, but they can't get us out of their mouth. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, look, look at Nathan. Look at Nathan. His little, his little meek and mild bubble just went, we got to edit that out. Nope. I'll leave it in there. <laughs> I don't care. But I do well, have a meeting with Sluter still. We're, we're, we're going to meet in too. Asheville. Well, Nathan, you're so nice. I don't see how anybody could. If, if you were a wrestler... Your name would be like meek and mild little lamb. <laughs> yeah, you would. You would. You would. You wouldn't even be the sweet tart. You would just be the sweet. You make gold dust look manly. No, they. They. He'd be a baby face for sure. That's the term. Oh, Bad yeah. guys are heels and good guys are baby faces. That's and it. He'd be a baby face. I'm Bam 100%. Bam Bigelow all the way. <laughs> so, so I think a lot of people see Annan accounts like like yours, uh-huh. and they assume, you know, these guys are are just jokesters and pranksters and there's nothing nothing bigger to the picture than just this Annan account. And I don't think a lot of people would realize that, and you're a pastor who's theologically grounded, and I know this is going to take it serious for a moment, but why don't you talk about your conversion? Why, why don't you talk about, you know, where did, where did you go to seminary? Why did you desire to be in ministry? And how's God using your life in the church ministry there at North Jack's? Yeah, well, I'll say, you know, you can't tell the jokes that I tell about ministry and not be involved in it. Like, so there's, I've, I've, you have to have legitimate chops to know about any of this stuff. But I grew up in a, in a pastor's home and, uh, you know, there was, uh, I did some of the stuff where like as a 10 year old at vacation Bible school, pray to prayer. Um, but, but a month before I turned 16, I was in a, in a Sunday night service at church. And I remember the evangelist that was preaching and man, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me that night, and and I realized, man, I'm not saved. I was I was pretending I was a good church kid, but I'd go to school and try to pretend to be somebody else, and I was kind of living two lives, and I was I was pretty good at it, but I sort of realized, oh, I don't sort of the the Holy Spirit allowed me to see my own hypocrisy, and that that you know a lot about Jesus, you know a lot about God, but you don't know Him personally, and, mm-hmm. and you're not walking with Him. And so I literally got out of my seat, walked down the aisle and my youth pastor was standing there and I, I grabbed him by the hand and I said, man, I, I need to get saved. And he looked at me and he was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, I definitely, I know. For, and man, we knelt right there at the steps of the church and, and he goes, I'm, you know what to pray. And I said, I know, I know, man, I'm crying. And, and so I just, I repented of my sin and, and gave my life to Christ, asked him to forgive me. I was born again that night. And and so I was actively serving in the church there and I was a part of the youth group. And, and so I was a junior going into my senior year and you start thinking about, do I want to go to, where am I going to go to college? What do I want to do? And so I'm praying through all these different jobs and I can't get a piece about any of it. And so I started praying about ministry and feeling that tug. And, uh, and so I had a conversation with my dad. We drove home from church one night and I said, dad, I said, I think God's calling me to preach. And he said, are you sure? And so I got two of those. Are you sure? Like, are you sure? And he told me, he goes, well, listen, he goes, I've never wanted to push any of this on you. And he goes, and I want to tell you right up front, I have no expectations that any of my kids are going to be in ministry. Hmm. He said, but I'm telling you, you better be sure. Hmm. And he said, he gave me the best piece of advice that I still give young guys to this day. He said, if you can do anything else and yep. be happy, you need to do it. Yep. He said, because this is going to be really hard. 
And when it gets hard, if you can be happy doing anything else, you're going to quit and you're going to go do that. Yeah. And so I prayed and I said, and I think this is it. So I started taking opportunities to preach and, and I was teaching a small group of seventh grade boys. And if you can survive that, you can handle any kind of <laughs> Amen. Ministry. I love it. And, uh, and then when I graduated from college, so I did that all through college. And then I graduated, I went to a mid America Baptist, um, right there in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, which is a, a Baptist seminary there. And then after I finished my degree there, the church called me back. Uh, to be on staff. And so I've been on staff there for 15 years. But when you talk about being grounded and being serious, uh, my really, my theme in ministry is I take the Bible very seriously, but I do not take myself seriously. Yeah, It's just, if you don't have a sense of humor and if you can't see the light side of life when it comes to this ministry thing, it's going to grind you to a pulp really fast. Well, I think a lot of guys, their whole identity gets wrapped up in this role of pastor. It's who they are all the time. You know, for example, I heard a guy uh, today on one of the clips, I think it might've been on IFB preacher clips. He was talking about, you know, driving the big Lincoln and, and wearing the suit and all that. And I think a lot of people become the role and the role becomes their identity rather than just a follower of Jesus. And uh, so I think it's really cool that you would say that. I think that's a great point. Yeah, for me, at best, pastor is, is, is like fourth on the list. Mm. Like I'm a, I'm a disciple of Christ first. Mm. I'm a follower mm. of Jesus. I'm a husband to my wife, who I love with all my heart. I'm a father to my kids. And then I'm a pastor. Mm. And even as a pastor, I'm a member of my church. Yeah. Like I'm a part of that body of believers. Like I sit in the same pews with them. We, we go to the same fellowships. So the moment, you know, my dad, who I'll talk about a lot on this because he's my biggest influence, he says one of the problems that preachers have, especially when it comes to hype and sort of the man of God mentality, um, is what happens is when people start telling you that you're great and telling you what a great sermon, said so the first problem is they start listening to it. And then the second problem is they start believing it. Yep. And then the third, then the third problem is they start acting like it's true. <laughs> and that's when these guys get into a big mess of trouble. Well, and in the IFB world, no one's allowed to ever you know, question you or bring, I guess, an accusation or an insult against you. So there's only praise in spite of the fact that it's false. And if people aren't shouting enough for you, you just repeat what you just said louder. And that, that prompts everyone to shout for what you just said. So it's all praise. Yeah, I remember the very first time I heard Herb Brevis preach and was just absolutely blown away because honestly, he preaches with the fire of an independent Baptist yeah, pastor, but he's got some depth and some content. And uh, the man just absolutely brought it. And I had been growing up here in my whole life how liberal Southern Baptists were. And so to hear this guy that was a Southern Baptist and was preaching like he does, like he could sneak into any camp meeting in the country 100%. and preach, and they would never know he was Southern Baptist. Like he is absolutely an incredible preacher. But one of the things that amazes me about you that is so different from all of our backgrounds is to see uh, a young pastor who, number one, is in the same denomination as his father, who is a preacher, <laughs> and number two, is on staff with his father, who is a preacher. We've heard so many stories and seen so many stories of big-name pastors who fell into sin, who, who lived totally different lives behind the scenes that totally lost their families because of the hypocrisy in their lives. So to see a young man that is supporting his dad, following his dad, and 
really honoring his dad by how he lives his life. That's real inspiring to me. So I've been listening to the podcast from real early on because guys I knew were, were tweeting about it. And, and I was just kind of interested in just what it was going to be about. And what broke my heart is to just hear story after story of people who found out that their pastor wasn't who he presented himself to be or to find out some of these guys that you've had on there, that their dad wasn't who he presented himself to be. And I can tell you with just total confidence that my dad is every, everything he preached in word, he practiced in deed. That, that the guy my dad was in the pulpit is the guy my dad was at home. And he also did a great job of protecting us from the nonsense at church. And when he came home, he was dad. He what we didn't like, we didn't call my dad, brother Herb at home. He's just dad. <laughs> like we didn't call it. Now he does have a great joke. When my first uh, niece was born, uh, the first grandchild, we were like, what are you going to have her call you? What's your grandparent name going to be? And he was like, pastor. <laughs> Which he was just joking, you know. Which is not true. He's papaw, you know. And so he's papaw to his grandkids. He's dad to us. And he's the real deal. And because he loved my mom well and he raised us well and he's my hero. And so why wouldn't I want to follow that? And so one of the things I want to encourage folks that are listening to is it, it doesn't have to all be bad. You can, you can break cycles. And my dad came out of a home that was really dysfunctional. And, um, and, and I don't want to speak anything dishonoring to that, but he would tell you that. And he really broke the cycle of what he was raised in and determined that he was going to reset the direction of his family tree. And and we're the fruit of that. Wow. I'm really glad that Nathan brought that up. If you could see the stories that were sent, Hey, it's so much more extreme than we've ever mm. been able to voice on this podcast. Like I read some of the stories last night and my heart was just breaking. So to hear that your dad you know, that he's the same man, that, that it's true for him, that his faith is legitimate. I mean, that's just a blessing. And we say almost every episode that there are still good people in the IFB and good pastors. And one of them is my dad. I'm a Christian and I'm a pastor today, uh, largely because my dad was the real deal behind the scenes. And my mom was the real deal behind the scenes. And what I saw in my home reflected the values that they taught and preached. And so I appreciate that. Now, I'm not still in the IFB movement, not because of what I saw at home, but what I saw in a lot of the camp meetings and a lot of the behind the scenes and all of the pastors that I was exposed to along the way. But I really resonate with that, that that it really matters that we're real as parents and as fathers and as husbands. Josh, was there anything that your dad did that in particular that you remember as a kid growing up that just kind of showed that he was choosing y'all over ministry? Because there's something that, you know, I've got six kids, Nate's got four, Brian's got three. You know, we we have talked about this a lot, that we don't want to sacrifice our family at the hands of ministry, um, but it gets so overwhelming at times. And now we've added a podcast on top of that. You know, what's some encouragement for pastors that are listening that have families that, you know, that maybe you, you've given a great testimony of your dad and his faithfulness to be a great dad and a pastor. I just want to hear your heart as a son. Yeah, well, he was, he was there and he was present. When he came home, he didn't act like we were the second shift on his job. Mm. You know, he was excited to get home to us. And when he came home, he took off the, the, the pastor's coat, the pastor's hat, and, and he was dad. And, and he was there. He was there at all the games. He was there at all the, you know, the award assemblies. He's the one that was driving us to school every morning, having us those conversations. But even like we never once, I can't remember one time ever, like leaving a vacation early because of mm-hmm. something that was at the church. He made it very clear 
This time is for my family. And it, it better be just an earth shattering emergency. And the reality is there's just not a lot of those in the yeah. life of a church that would should interrupt those things. And so he was just always present. I think that's a great illustration because I, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of the folks that we've talked about and talked to, I think a lot of the reasoning that they are the way they are is because they're still living for acceptance from folks that they didn't get from their dad when they were growing up or as teenagers because dad was in the ministry or dad had this bigger thing that was bigger than them. And so it taught them at that young age to live for their acceptance rather than from it who they were, you know, and I, I think that's why a lot of these guys that we talk about, they're still trying to please people because it comes from daddy wounds. And I agree with that a hundred percent. I love this conversation because you know, for my kids, I've never allowed people to call them the preacher's kids. Mm. No, they're just Brian and Denise's kids. And I love the idea of coming home, just being dad. Uh, you know, I want to have fun with my kids. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in that pastoral role that we don't realize we can have fun. Hey, today, uh, my two girls came by the office and I have this uh, Bluetooth speaker. That thing will thump. <laughs> and guys, you'll be proud of me. My girls were videoing today. We were all dancing in the office to KJ52. Does Come on. anybody remember KJ52? something that you just said, Brian, when you talk about people searching for that acceptance, one of the things my parents always taught us, and this was huge, is they would tell us over and over, you do not need to live to please yeah. us, to please your mom and dad. They said, you need to live. Our desire is that you please the Lord. Yeah. And they said, if you live to please the Lord, we're going to be pleased with you if we're right with the Lord. And if we're not pleased with you pleasing the Lord, then that's our problem. And there's something wow. that we need to get right. Wow. And so they always pointed us past them to Christ and said, if you live in a way that honors him, whether you're pastors or, or plumbers or school teachers or whatever you are, we will be so we'll be over the moon because all we care is that you're following Jesus. Yeah. I remember something my dad used to always tell me, and I didn't know that he was stealing it, but it was from a professor in seminary, and I found out years later, in fact, that last Sunday I got to baptize this professor's son, and his statement was, remember who you are and whose you are. And dad used to always tell me that, but he's like, I'm not telling you whose you are and who you are because it's my name. You're a child of God, and I don't care what you know, you're know you doing that's going to bring shame to me. Think about who you're bringing shame to. Is it is it bringing shame to God? And you know, it wasn't done in a legalistic way. But I've always remembered that who I am and whose I am. And that, that's been an important thing, Josh. Like you just said, it doesn't go to please the parent. It goes to please greater than God with our lives. Yeah. We just got deep. That, was, that, that was doesn't good. happen very often. That yeah. was good, man. We just went there. Josh, a lot of what we're doing and speaking out against is legalism. And we have the word fundamentalist in our name, but we really are against legalism. We still believe the fundamentals of the faith. 
But could you talk to us about the difference in being a legalist and just simply believing the gospel? Yeah, you know, there's, and I think you guys have talked about this and you've done it really well, but the illustration I try to use with our church, and because uh, right now I'm preaching through the Sermon on the Mount in our in our midweek service, and so you've got a lot of, of, of stuff that he's directing towards the Pharisees and towards hypocrites, and the gospel is what we hold. I tell people at our church, we have, we have one closed hand and we have one open hand. Yeah. And in that closed hand are all the non-negotiables, man. It's the gospel. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's that the Bible is the infallible and errant word of God. It's that there is one God and three persons. You know, it's the, the, the things that we all agree on that people would say, you know, those orthodox things that, that uh, comprise the gospel. In, in that open hand, there's a certain way we do worship. There's a certain kind of music we do at our church. There's uh, a certain way we organize our, our church leadership and stuff like that. And where the problem comes in is there's a lot of churches that have that closed fist and that open hand. And the problem is instead of really driving in on the closed fist, they pound people with the open hand yeah. and they pound them and they pound them with these things that are second, third tier, even preferential things. And they beat them so often with that open hand, they're no longer interested in what's in the closed hand. Yeah. And, and what happens is they get it so mixed up that they start to think, well, if you don't believe the things that are in the open hand, you couldn't believe the things that are in the closed hand. Man. And so it's, it's, it's understanding this difference that there are people, this idea that I'm going, you understand there's believers that come in all shapes and sizes in churches all over the world. Some of the largest gatherings of Christians you won't find them in the United States. You're going to find them in Africa. You're going to find them in Asia. You're going to find them in this idea that we've got the market cornered on mm. heaven mm. is just, man, it breaks my heart. You guys were a huge help to me um, last week because you've really helped me in how I have conversations with people that find themselves in churches where legalism has been a thing. I had a conversation with a couple literally this past Sunday. They were back in town because of my dad's anniversary Sunday. They came into town from a few counties away and they were telling me about the church that they joined. And I, and I used to be pretty non-confrontational about some of this stuff, but they start getting in on all the stuff that's really frustrating them at the church. And it's all open hand stuff. It's, you got to dress this way and you've got to we only sing this. And, and if we see on Facebook, wearing that, and, and it was all and, and they're saying all these trigger words. And I'm like, man, I feel like I'm listening to the podcast. <laughs> and so I just told them, I just told them straight up. I said, I love you. And I love you enough to tell you, you need to run for the Hills. Wow. I said, there are too many good churches near where you live that I can give you the names of that, that focus on the gospel and not these preferential things. And so if you get, and I said, all the stuff they're hounding you with, I said, can you find that in the Bible? And they're like, no, it's not in there. I said, if it ain't in the Bible, it's not the gospel. Mm. And so, and that's where if you can't, if you can't get back to, and if you can't get back to the chapter in the verse, in the context that it was written, yeah. then uh, you don't have to, that, that's not a, a life definer. Well, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand what the apostle Paul wrote, that Christ completed the law, that we're not saved by the law. And I think there are a lot of people who are still trying to live under the law and they really don't understand the righteousness of Christ, that we're not saved by the law. We're saved through the righteousness of Christ. And the righteousness of Christ is something that we cannot earn, but it's something that's given to us through grace. And that's the only way we can know the righteousness of Christ. And what I, what, what breaks my heart a lot of times is I talk to these people, by the way, I love the fact that you brought up that conversation, but I talk to people 
and they're coming out of either fundamentalism or they're coming out of, you know, Pentecostalism. Uh, there's a young lady that I'm thinking about right now. Uh, she's, you know, making her journey out of Pentecostalism. And there was so much that was stressed that is connected to the law, not connected to the righteousness of Christ. Mm. And if we could just go ahead and realize, hey, our righteousness is filthy rags on our best day and we come to jesus and we're like here's some more filthy rags and here's some more filthy rags i love the assurance of knowing hey that i'm accepted by god through the work of jesus christ nothing that i could ever do i'm resting in righteousness amen Brian, that was really good. And as we're wrapping this up, we went deep real quick and got serious. I didn't think that's where this episode was going to go, but I'm glad it did because that's some good stuff right there. Josh, as we're closing out, will you give us some good theological stories to close out this podcast episode? (laughs) Yes, church stories are my favorite stories. And so I'll tell you some of my favorites. Uh, The first is a story um, that uh, an evangelist friend of mine, and, and all of these are true. These aren't like the stories. These aren't preacher stories. These are actual true stories. And so he was at a church, and so he was preaching a revival. And uh, before the service was going to start, he was going in to use the restroom. And uh, when he got in there, he was going to go into one of the stalls, and he pulled on the door, but it wouldn't open. It was locked, and he didn't think anybody else was in there. So he kind of did the move we all do where you lean down and look for feet, you know, like bent down. And there was nobody under there, so he assumed – that uh, somebody like a little kid had gotten in there and, and locked the door and then scooted out underneath it, you know, was just kind of laughing. But when he got to looking closer, there was no, the opening, like where you should, you know, kind of that where you see the eye of terror when you walk past a stall and you actually accidentally touch somebody's <laughs> eye. Um, he realized that that gap, that gap was welded shut, was bead welded shut. And so he's like, that's weird. And so he went in and he talked to the pastor. He's like, hey, I was just in the bathroom and one of the stall doors was welded shut. And he's like, and the, and he, like the pastor, his shoulders slumped. And he was like, oh man, I knew you were going to ask about that. He said, yeah. He said the toilet in that stall broke, but the toilet was donated by one of the charter families of this church. Oh my no way. So when the toilet, when the toilet broke, it couldn't be repaired. But in the business meeting, it got so heated, they couldn't decide what to do with the toilet because they didn't want to take it out. Because they, So what they ultimately decided to do was weld the door shut on the stall. And so I call that the holy commode, you know, like it's, uh, it's which is and then uh, one of my other favorites, which is where we've all just had huge gaffes on stage. But I, I had a pastor friend tell me this one. So this guy's in a, you know, he's, he's pastoring this church and it's one of these, I, I call them, you know, shotgun style. It's two, it's two sets of pews on each side, one center aisle, you know, three or four pew choir loft. And so everybody comes up from the side doors. And so this guy's coming in with his minister music. So as, as they would do, you know, like the choir would march in, you know, and the, the pianist is playing there and the organist. And so he comes in and the, the minister of music's walking everybody in and the minister of music looks over at him and kind of cuts his eyes down at his waistband. And the pastor realizes that his fly's down. Oh, he's like, Oh man, I gotta, I gotta fix my fly. <laughs> and so he's like, you, you pray, you pray. <laughs> and so the minister of music welcomes everybody and starts to do the prayer. Well, he turns around over on the corner of the stage so he can zip his pants up. Well, so while he's praying, he zips his pants up. Well, he realizes that as soon as he zips it up, he has zipped the gold fringe of the American flag oh my into goodness. his pants. <laughs> oh. 
And once all those strings have gotten in the zipper, he can't, he can't get it undone. And so he's panicking because he, he can hear him praying and he knows he's landing the plane. And so he, uh, he, he all of a sudden looks around and, and he, he's like, in Jesus name. And so he doesn't know what to do. So out of instinct, he grabs the flag by the pole and turns around and faces the crowd and he's holding the flagpole. And so he froze. And so he just marches down the center aisle with the flag. As he's marching down the aisle, the minister of music has no idea what's happening. So he instinctually just starts going, God bless America. All of the people in the congregation stand to their feet and put their hands over their heart as he's marching the flag. So he gets out of the back, finally gets it undone. The guy goes on with the service and he said he's doing it. You know, this would have been so he's at the end of the service. You know, he's standing at the back door, shaking hands while everybody's going out and everybody's coming past going, Pastor, that was just the most beautiful (laughs) display of patriotism I've ever seen. We were just so moved. And so that's that's one of my favorites, too. We have a couple in our church who recently went to hear a very older, very, very famous pastor a few months ago. And uh, I won't call his name out of respect, but they went to the service. They drove several hours to get there. Well, in the middle of his message, he had to go pee. So he's right in the middle of his sermon. And he just says, everybody, you're going to have to excuse me for just a moment. I'll be right back. So he goes to the bathroom and the sound team forgot to mute his mic. <laughs> oh no! They didn't mute his mic the whole time he was in the bathroom and so everybody sits in the auditorium. They're listening to this famous pastor pee in the bathroom. And then oh. poor little thing came back out and tried to pick back up on his sermon the best he could. Man, you talk about a bad moment. <laughs> oh, man. Ooh. Bless his heart. Well, it's one of those. Yeah, all of it. Every single people think like, oh, do you just make this stuff up? And I'm like, every tweet you read has some grounding in reality. Yeah. yeah. Especially in in JC, you know this from youth ministry stuff, like every one of those those youth ministry ones. And just so much silliness. And if you can't laugh about it, you will lose your mind. And the reason I keep doing The Wrestling Pastor is I get three, four, five DMs every week from guys that are like, hey man, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere. I'm all by myself pastoring this church. I thought I was the only one dealing with this nonsense or I thought I was the only one that this would happen to man. Thanks for making me laugh. And so that's really why I keep doing it because I want to encourage guys to not quit, man, that, that we need as many gospel preaching pastors who love the Lord and are faithfully leading their church. And if I can give a guy a laugh that keeps him in it just one more week, man, that's what I want to do. So on June 24th of 2017, I sent you one that you posted the next day. Do you remember it? No. Oh, how do you know? I'm just kidding. It said this. <laughs> this was the one. It said, you must not have had much time to prepare that sermon. <laughs> that, was oh. the, that was one that I sent you, and you posted it the next day, and I retweeted yes. it, and my life was changed. I was like the wrestling <laughs> yeah, no, pastor. Yeah, no, man, stuff it. like that. You, we all get that stuff. Like you just preach, and you preach your heart out, and somebody comes up and 
they shake and they go, you go, that was a, that was a really good sermon, pastor. You know, the best sermon I've ever heard on that passage. Exactly. I heard Adrian, Ray, Adrian Rogers <laughs> preach. I'll bring you a CD next week. <laughs> I had to preach through an interpreter to a group of kids in the Dominican Republic. And man, I thought it went great. I thought I did good. I like connected with them. Everything went good. As soon as it was over, one of the pastors came up to me and he just died laughing. He is like, well, dude, that didn't go like you thought it would, did it? He said, that's okay. I've had times like that. And I just looked at him like, I, I thought it went good. And he was like, oh, oh, well, yeah, yeah, it did. It was just that very beginning. Oh, man, forget it. The interpreter <laughs> preached a totally different message for you. I don't know what happened. But anyway, awesome. yeah. Yeah, that was that was one of those moments. I was preaching in Africa, and uh, th- this little village we had to drive for hours and hours and hours to get there. And where we were, where we were based, was already like totally nowhere. And then from there, we drove hours and hours in this little pickup truck, and all there was was brown grass, no trees, no anything. And finally, we come into this little clearing. There's like the little mud huts, you know, that you've seen on National Geographic, and they're just kind of in a little circle there. They've got a little handmade building and the place is packed. Like people are swamped in the building and then outside of the building, they're looking in the windows and people are just, you know, like five, six lines deep outside of the building all the way around it because they've heard the preacher from America is coming to preach. But when I get there, the pastor from Africa starts telling me that there were people who had walked four or five hours to get to that service and they were going to have to walk four or five hours back. Well, I get into the service and literally you could touch the front row. That's how packed the building was. Well, the pastor introduced me. He made me sound like, you know, I was across maybe between, um, I don't know, Billy Graham and, and your dad. So <laughs> these people had high expectations. And so they're all excited and they're cheering as I get up to speak. And no sooner than I got up to speak right on the front row, a baby started crying. And no oh, one told me to expect that people there nurse openly. Oh, no. And so when this baby started crying, the mother had died. So there's like five young ladies who are taking care of that child because they're still lactating. And so I'm like five minutes into my sermon, and they just disrobe. <laughs> and I, I just I lost it. I couldn't look anywhere else. I'm trying to look. I don't even know what I was saying. Like, I don't, I'm not even sure I was talking about God. (laughs) I talked for like three more minutes and prayed and dismissed. And you could see the people looking like I walked five hours for that. (laughs) That was it. This is the most pathetic thing I've ever heard. I hate American preachers. Like I I just ruined American preachers in Africa from that point on. Oh man. Yeah, Brian, that happened to me in Nepal and it it was definitely a new experience. That happened to me in the Philippines once. I was in Cebu, Philippines with the Denises. You remember yes, Peter Denise and Frank Denise? Yeah. I was in Cebu, Philippines at the Tumblum Family Park or something like that. And I, almost the same thing, but I was singing a Southern gospel song. I was singing Master Builder by the Cathedrals. Jesus is the Master Builder. Woo. And there's a lady on the second row that whipped it out and started feeding a kid too. And I was like, he built his church? What? <laughs> Up on a rock? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Southern gospel music, hey, Josh, what do you have coming up for the wrestling pastor well you know i just 
plan on writing, you know, one dumb joke a day. So I'm going to continue to do that. But uh, my dad and I do have this plan. You know, there was a picture that went viral and I feel like somebody heard us one time because my dad's had this idea for a long time. I don't know if you saw this and I don't know where it was at. I'm assuming it was in the South somewhere, but it was like a big tarp that was strung up on the side of the road that said, um, gospel singing and wrestling. And it was like spray painted on a sign that was going around the internet. Well, my dad and I are convinced like if you wanted to get a crowd, yeah, man, somebody just tagged us on on Twitter with that. And uh, so my dad and I are convinced that the two biggest draws in the South for a crowd are professional wrestling and Southern gospel sings. Oh yeah. And so if we could get our hands on the world's biggest tent, we feel like if we could organize a wrestling match between Mm. Southern gospel singing groups, That we could have people come from all corners of the country and they would just be in the sawdust, repenting and believing. And if we could just get greater vision against Gold City, Fiber Series style, it would just be the answer. Joseph Habedank and Brian Walker in a cage match. I can see it happening right now. And if they wore NASCAR (laughs) t-shirts, you are there. (laughs) We have to make that happen. It's going to be part of the UnCamp meeting. Come on. Let's make it happen. Hey, Josh, we thank you for being on the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast with us tonight, bro. And uh, we love your Twitter handle. Keep tweeting. If you're on Facebook or Instagram and you don't have a Twitter handle, go follow us at RF Podcast 3 or follow Josh at Wrestling Pastor. Search for Wrestling Pastor and you'll find me. Yes. Go get on Twitter and follow him. You will love the content there. And uh, we want to thank our sponsors, Free Life Soap. You can check them out today by going to the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Click on the Free Life Soap. Get your pumpkin spice soap today. Use the promo code RFP. Get 20% off of your order. We also want to thank all of our patrons of Patreon. To be a patron of Patreon, you give to one of the tiers and uh, you get the episodes 24 hours before anybody else gets it i saw somebody this week that said doing some promo for us and said become a patron and you can get the episode 24 hours in advance so we want to thank y'all for uh, being part of that we also want to thank jay radio for letting us use the studio tonight cops and all thanks nathan for setting me off the alarm and hopefully not ruining that relationship i don't think you did the manager walked in and said we're good to go so (laughs) thanks justin wade hey thanks for being here with us this week on the recovering fundamentalist podcast for all of us here for josh brian nathan and myself y'all have a great week be sweet thanks for listening to the recovering fundamentalist podcast be sure to stop by our social media facebook instagram and twitter give us a follow also go to our website recoveringfundamentalist.org that's recoveringfundamentalist.org there you can find recovering fundamentalist swag you can get your t-shirts and hats you can join our x fundy community see where we're going to be having some meetups it's the recoveringfundamentalist.org be sure to join us next time for the recovering fundamentalist podcast